Hello and welcome to a new episode of the TM podcast. Um, yeah, after a um, short break or maybe even a long break, and now we are back to speed, uh, up to speed, and uh, we will provide new podcast episodes more frequently. So, and today we have a very special episode. So it's not about technology and features, but it's about the people uh, behind uh, all that. So how do we actually build that uh, product? That is meanwhile uh, 10 years, okay, whatever way you count, 10 years old. So today we want to talk about um, the people, the team set up and how we built um, TM. And for that, uh, I have two special guests here. Uh, Thomas, Thomas Christ, uh, development manager, hi, here in, in, in Waldorf and Jenny Gustafsson, beside others also Scrum Master. Mm -hmm. Hi. Okay, yeah, and I'm Bernd van Dittrich, one of the architects here in Waldorf. Yeah, Thomas, maybe can you introduce yourself a bit? Yeah, Bernd, first of all, mm -hmm. thanks for the invitation to this podcast. I'm, I'm really a bit excited because this is my first podcast that I'm, where I'm actively involved. Um, mm -hmm. I like to listen to podcasts and especially I like the TM podcast. Uh, but today it's my first active uh, part in this, so I feel honored. I'm the development manager of the team. I started in SAP uh, in 1995, so a couple of years ago. I'm kind of an SAP dinosaur. <laughs> And I, I joined the TM team in 2009, which is now also nearly 10 years ago. And in my role as a development manager, I'm responsible for the process and the people. Okay, that's why you're here, good. <laughs> yes, and my name is Jenny Gustafsson. I started as a vocational student in the year 2000, um, studied economics, so the other side of the development um, topics. Um, then I, when I was uh, ready in 2003, I started as a test and a quality management department with master data management, C projects, and then pretty quickly TM came up and I started as a tester in the transportation management area. I worked there a lot on the also on the project topic, so I was happy that I could be the quality project lead then as of 2000, I think it was eight something. Uh, then I worked as a QPA, so Quality Project Accountable, or coordinating all the QE colleagues all over the world for a couple of years until 2015. Then I went into maternity leave, came back in 2016, um, part-time working, which is not a problem in TM actually. Um, started as a Scrum Master, taking care of the order management team and working with students uh, as well and taking care of uh, organizational stuff uh, across all teams enjoying it a lot otherwise i would not have been with tm 10 plus years already okay yeah thanks a lot maybe i can also say a bit about my uh, past to mm, tm so i'm Bernd Dittrich, uh, today development architect in the order management uh, team in waldorf um, i started as a consultant uh, back in 2000 already with transportation background so there was a so-called tpvs uh, component in apo that was then pretty new I started with that after a couple of years went into product management kids came had to stay home uh, all that uh, had a in between a short uh, period where i test drove development as a kind of a fellowship half a year liked that a lot but no headcount at that time but then with tm um, 6.0 somewhere there was uh, a chance to join the development team and so i did and since then must be 2006 or something. Um, I, I'm a happy uh, member of the TM development family. 
And um, yeah, now I'm here and uh, besides others, uh, record podcasts uh, <laughs> in here since we are pretty flexible, but we come to that later. So we already said, okay, we are here in, in Waldorf, but maybe uh, since TM is a global product, maybe uh, that also applies to the development teams. Maybe we should also spend some words on what is our global setup, so to say. Thomas, maybe can you? Yeah, let's say to give the complete picture, mm -hmm. we can talk a bit about the setup, our international setup. And later on, I think we definitely focus on our teams in Waldorf. This is where we are working. But um, globally, we have uh, seven teams working Uh, for TM at this point in time and these are two teams in, in Bangalore and um, content-wise they focus on charges and settlement. We have two teams in St. Ingbert. Their focus topic is integration, integration to S4, order integration and so on and they have some special topics like uh, dangerous goods, customs and some other things. And uh, three teams, or two and a half maybe, <laughs> here in Waldorf. These are uh, two regular scrum teams and a team that we just created recently. It's a small team, just um, uh, covering four colleagues. Um, and they are doing content for our new cloud um, features that we are delivering since last year. Okay. Sounds good. I think we may also uh, mention our um, AIS team, so the maintenance team. So we we have some colleagues in, in Budapest, uh, I think, and in USA, I think also South America. Okay, that's also first level support, mm -hmm. uh, etc. I know that in the US there are some colleagues in St. Ingbert and uh, St. Leon Road, we also have colleagues. So, but so if you re, uh, hear like Hungarian names or so, so it's still TM uh, developments. So it's all good. Uh, but it's the AIS. So they focus on the uh, maintenance topics. So all the stuff that has been delivered is out of ramp up is covered by them. And we, he, we, or teams mentioned before, we do the new stuff mainly, but also some maintenance. We come to that later. So what's our daily work? Okay. As far mm -hmm. as I know, we also have some AIS colleagues in India. Mm -hmm. Ah, right, right, right. And we, yeah, maybe hmm. China, maybe. Yeah. Ah, so historically, we have been in China and Palo Alto, but not yeah, nowadays. AIS, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We had yeah. Uh, we traveled <laughs> around <laughs> the, the world. <laughs> TM. Okay, so maybe uh, then I think today we're going to focus on on bit on the way we work here in in Waldorf because that's what we know uh, best. Um, maybe let's talk about the topics we cover here in Waldorf and the yeah, teams. You already started with the content team, but maybe we can also talk a bit about the other two teams. Um, yeah, so what do they do? So in Waldorf, we have the order management team and the planet team. Also, unofficially, we call them more WDF 1 and 2. Um, we have the Topics around order management is located in WDF1. We have originally we had that is uh, Fred order, so Tor, everything which is Tor, TRQ technically, so forwarding orders, freight units, transportation, freight orders, right? That's, exactly. That's the focus. Exactly. Okay. That, mm -hmm. That's our team, right? Mm -hmm. And then we also have the planning team just sitting ne next to us. Um, they are doing everything around planning, network, transportation, cockpit, and stuff like that. I mean, you are more into the detail what the others are doing. So 
Yeah, everything yeah. that is uh, planning. Related. That's really so the the connect. We, ah, we should also not forget. Of course, we also have an optimizer uh, team mm -hmm. here in Valve. So it's, let's say technically it's an independent uh, team, but of course we have very strong interdependencies uh, with them. So the VSR and many other optimizers and scheduling engines we use, they're also located. Um, here in Waldorf. And the planning team, for example, is responsible for the interaction with this team. So building the interfaces, syncing on requirements. I think we come to that later in the development, when we talk about the development process. Exactly. Okay. So officially, we just uh, gave the team's number. So we are mm -hmm. talking about a team one, which is also known as order management team, and team two, which is known as the planning team, or before it was the planning and network team. Mm -hmm. The team three, this is now the new content team. Um, we are doing this because we want to keep it flexible because we, we don't know. We work along, along our priorities and then mm -hmm. we don't really know what we will develop in the next years. Uh, but I still also like the idea that the teams gave them their, themselves these kind of nicknames uh, that they call themselves uh, the planning and network team, for example. They invited this uh, abbreviation planet for, for planning and network. This shows also a strong identification mm -hmm. with the topics and so on. But it definitely changes over time. If we look at the planet team, for example, they, they didn't do a lot in network uh, in the last two years. Yeah, So this topic went away a bit. It, it's still planning. I also think that team one uh, will more or less always do uh, something in the direction of order management. Time ago, we also had a TRQ team, transportation mm -hmm. request team, where we, in the meantime, stopped development, but we might uh, <laughs> want to start it up again for a new project that's coming. Mm -hmm. So uh, to keep it a bit neutral and, and to be flexible, The official um, hmm. names are just one, two. <laughs> And people are also moving between them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's uh, we, we had colleagues from order management joining um, the planning uh, team and, and vice versa. And more or less for every development, we are in the same boat anyway. So no planning without storing the results. And uh, on the other hand, if we store results in our documents in a way which is not appropriate, for planning um, yeah, won't work. So mm -hmm. it's um, I'll be also physically sit uh, pretty close, as close as it gets uh, together in one room even, but we come to that later. Okay. So that is the, let's say, high-level structure. I think what's also worth mentioning in, in our teams, it's already quite, even so it's Waldorf here, yeah, and uh, but it's a quite a global team, I would say. So uh, we have a lot of nationalities, uh, Here, right? So, how many? I think we just counted it recently. Uh, approximately 10 different nationalities. So, we have, I think, um, from Germany, from Ukraine, from Russia, from Bulgaria, from um, Romania. Romania, yes. Turkey, we have Indian colleagues. Myself, I mean, you, you, you maybe have recognized my name, Gustafsson. <laughs> Sounds pretty Swedish. <laughs> it, it's actually Swedish. And then, um, Colombia, so we have a pretty mixed team. It then I depends see. how it's count East Germany. It's in <laughs> yeah, I, I have that on my list, but I was not sure whether I should mention yeah, it. Like <laughs> right, but you're from Berlin, so that's yeah, yeah, worth East mentioning Berlin, it. Exactly, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. 
But and, and apart from the nationalities, I think we have a real good uh, diversity in mm -hmm. our teams. It's uh, diversity in the sense of age, uh, young colleagues, uh, older colleagues. Like us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> diversity in the sense of also characters, let's say, how, how mm -hmm. the people are working and mm -hmm. so on. And I think this is uh, definitely important for teamwork, that we have, uh, that everybody has different skills that he can bring or he or she can bring in different skills and... Um, This creates, uh, from my point of view, creativity, mm. that, that people come together, that they see things from different points of views and so on. And this is in our team, I think, really encouraged. We have some new hires uh, that, that will join us in, in a short time and they will even increase uh, <laughs> mm. the diversity in our team. So we will have even more uh, nationalities and even the also the diversity in the age will be uh, even bigger. So uh, this is real cool. Yeah. yeah. And we have, when we're talking about diversity, we have quite a lot of uh, ladies programming as well. So it's not only typically you th might think there are men sitting developing. No, we also have ladies developing. Despite me. <laughs> Despite me. But we also have men not developing. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> definitely. It's not like 50-50. This would also not be true. But mm. it's definitely above average in, in the IT industry. Mm. Um, and it will also be better in the future. And I think also the background of the colleagues is also quite different. So we have some colleagues like myself that has been in consulting before and kind of found their way into developments. We have colleagues which kind of developed right from the start um, and everything in between. So mm -hmm. a lot of different uh Career passes also. We even have a former professional soccer player <laughs> uh, in, in, in our team. Mm -hmm. uh, you may not know him from the news, but still. Uh, so it's uh, interesting setup, I think. And also, I think it's pretty important. Yeah? Good for the next sub cup. So once a year, we have a sub cup playing football since. Um, soccer tournament with yeah, like right. 50, 60. That's not TM, that's SAP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 50, 60 teams. And we are normally very successful, but then we don't have time on Saturday for the next to round. Play. Yeah. So, but we could we had, go there. We are the transportation man. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Okay, so um, I think that's um, I mean, one more thing. I think we have a bit of a special situation here in Waldorf, right? We also have kind of the uh, the chief product owners is, uh, and the chief architects partially uh, also is sitting here, which of course gives us a bit of extra convenience. Um, uh, in some cases, sometimes, of course, it's uh, easier if you're not so close. <laughs> But I think that's also special here in, in, in Waldorf a bit. So that, no, mm. Definitely, we are kind of privileged. Um, mm. More or less the whole top management of, of TM is sitting here in Waldorf and is approachable. And this uh, usually makes things easier. Mm. And when we're talking about sitting, I mean, we uh, just that you maybe get the impression how we are sitting. So mm. uh, 10 years back, we moved to the oldest building in Waldorf. <laughs> maybe you have seen the old good MPS in case you had a customer visit or whatever in Waldorf. But actually, we were lucky to move to the newest building in Waldorf, 49, placed in front of the main headquarter, uh, building one. And it's actually pretty nice. We're sitting there in open space. Outside, it's 38 degrees. We have 21 inside. And um, still, we have a cool brain to develop and do our things. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And a lot of uh, meeting rooms and stuff. Yeah. So maybe for people which are not used to open spaces. So we also had quite some discussions uh, before. But I think 
in general, <laughs> generally speaking, um, most of the colleagues are also happy with the new setup where we have really like one large open room, but a lot of smaller rooms where you can have uh, meetings, uh, which in our old setup, we had a lot of smaller rooms, but mm -hmm. there was no meeting room really, or only very few. And so all the discussions were in the room, which was also disturbing. So don't be afraid of uh, open office. So mm -hmm. if you do it right. I like it a lot. Uh, so you don't miss when your colleagues are going for lunch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we moved in in, in February, so mm -hmm. it's nearly half a year now. And I must say that really I think architecture helps uh, regarding collaboration, regarding agility, let's say in the old building with uh, small rooms where, where four people were sitting together in an office. A lot of colleagues like this, uh, I know. Still, I think now with this open space, uh, the, the teams were growing together with these uh, different and specific meeting rooms we have. Mm. Um, collaboration is easier. Um, it, it creates creativity and so on. I, I'm a big fan of this new building and I really think that uh, a good architecture really influences uh, the way you work, apart from this kind of comfort things like air conditioner. So this mm -hmm. is also helpful, but I think on, on the meta level, so to say, it really helps to build team. It helps to be creative. Um, it, it opens up space um, for new ideas. And this is actually what we need, yeah, innovative thinking and so on. And that's why I'm really happy that our team is privileged uh, to sit in this building and that we can make use and learn yeah, how to use this architecture mm. in a way that's good for our work. Yeah, it's a really nice building. Also, my, my boys uh, say <laughs> sometimes really keen coming here to... Uh, uh, yeah, have like a, a working here uh, kind of things, so a little workshops or so. If they have a chance to come here, they're very keen, which was not the case in our <laughs> building. So it's a really attractive environment, mm -hmm. I think. And, and you may feel it as the notes are now better. The coding is uh, even better now compared to MPS. Yeah. Yep. But I think this is the key thing is that we are all sitting here more or less the teams mentioned, but also the top management, we are all in the same corner of that same building and that helps a lot for shortcutting. Mm. Exactly. And also mm -hmm. we have a lot of consultants joining us. So yeah, consultants right. you have uh, out there, mm -hmm. they are not sitting in their star building far away from us. They are actually sitting with us. So we get direct feedback from them. What's going on on the customer side? We are helping them. They are helping us. So it's… The SAP internal consultants. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Correctly. That's, uh, so yeah, that's also a nice thing. They there. usually sit with us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think it corresponds also very well to the way we work in, in these um, so-called cross-functional teams. Yeah? We are working in a scrum mode and as already mentioned, we have two uh, regular scrum teams here in mm -hmm. Waldorf. And, and when we did the transition to, to Lean and Agile in 2010, we implemented this idea of the so-called uh, cross-functional teams where all the roles uh, come together. So a scrum team is, is usually set up of, uh, we talked about team of 10, but usually it's a bit more, maybe 12, uh, 12 colleagues working in a team. And this comprises the, the product owner mm -hmm. who is responsible for the content to be built, the scrum master who is responsible for the process. It includes a couple of developers on, on several levels, like from associate developer to development architect. Mm -hmm. But it also includes the colleagues from, from quality engineering. They are part of the team and the colleagues from 
UA, User Assistance, formerly known as uh, Knowledge Management. They are also a part of the team and sit here together with us. And this, from my point of view, also is a big difference to the way we worked before, where we kind of had silos, yeah, mm. a development team, and then in a different organization, even the quality engineers, and in another different organization, the, the colleagues who wrote the documentation and so on. And this... Uh, didn't lead to a very good collaboration. Sometimes they had different goals and the management uh, of the different organizations had different ideas. It was rather a struggle uh, than working together. And now that these colleagues are all, all combined in one team and also feel and act as a team, yeah, we, we broke down these silos and this also, I think, uh, helps um, regarding the quality of our product, um, regarding the documentation. And here also the building and the setting is, is adding to this. And it is completely adopted, I think, from the development team. Nobody would like to go back to the old um, structures and so on. Mm. Yeah, I think it's uh, it, it sounds very natural, right? So that's one team, and we come uh, come to the tasks of the uh, teams and, and the process a bit later. But um, it's important to know that really certain topics are covered end to end. So not only that all roles involved, but also we are responsible, let's say from the database up to the uh, unit tests, uh, UIs uh, in the same team. So there is no, there is one team responsible like for the Tor object. So, and the TRQ object. So we are responsible if we have a new feature it needs to be on the ui it needs to be documented it needs to be tested of course also to be developed uh, and and persisted so it's all in, in one team that sounds pretty natural but but that was not the case uh, in tm all the time so in in the history we also had other setups like where there was a ui team a process team a business object team uh, a technical team for the implementation then and that didn't work out well and uh, when we restarted TM 10 years back um, we also changed the organization and I think it pretty much came together with also introducing the lean mode uh, here so uh, maybe Thomas you can add some words on that yeah, lean uh, setup compared to, to the old uh, setup so what is different there yeah. yeah this was mainly in in 2010 when mm -hmm. sap shifted to this also called agile mm -hmm. setup before we were in this uh, uh, waterfall uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> approach where, where everything was planned in advance so, so we had releases of, of around a year and then so the first quarter of the year you were sitting and, and trying to do a roll in and write specification of what has to be developed then some designs were written and then maybe for half a year everybody was implementing and there were no checkpoints or, or milestones or so everybody was developing and then after nine months uh, developments were kind of put together and we found out okay some things do not fit or we then showed it to some customers and they said okay no this was not what we wanted <laughs> but then it was maybe also too late because you put in one year of effort mm -hmm. and, and you couldn't roll back and therefore the idea uh, came through and, and a lot of other software companies especially uh, were already there that this should be much more agile that you should work in in smaller increments that are also called tucks like, like in the music yeah, the tucked uh, tucked based uh, tucked based um, programming so and, and now usually we have we started with four weeks tucked where you do not just plan the whole year 
but you plan for the next four weeks. This is mm -hmm. a time that everybody can can oversee where you really can have a feeling what can I really accomplish in four weeks from now. Mm -hmm. And then we just made a backlog, so-called backlog for the next four weeks. And then after four weeks, there's a checkpoint where we see, okay, did we reach what we expected? The product owner can have a look at it and can say, yes, I'm happy with it, okay, or something is missing. Or in the ideal case, case uh, we even would have a customer looking at, this, at it, giving us feedback and says, okay, you perfectly understood what I want to do. This is exactly what we were looking for. Or they would say, oh, no, this is not exactly what we thought about. And then it, it's easy to change because you didn't invest a whole year mm. of, of um, development capacity into it. You can do some little changes, uh, drive it in another direction. And, and this definitely helps a lot. Okay, so and just to add this, mm -hmm. we, we started with four weeks. Uh, in the meantime, we went down to two weeks, which is also the tact frequency that the S4 development um, is doing. Uh, for some months even, we, we were trying out one-week sprints. Um, it, it depends a bit on the backlog and how flexible you want to be. What is the best um, length of a sprint? I think four weeks would really be the maximum. Mm -hmm. Two weeks is, I think, at this point in time, more or less um, best practice in SAP. But in some special uh, situations, it's even good to have shorter sprints, like like one-week sprints. If you're in, like, in implementation phase, uh, really, and want to see reshuffle in a way, huh? and then a lot of small tasks to be finished, yeah. Okay, you mentioned uh, the backlog um, that we uh, develop and how we correct it uh, with with the customer. But Jenny, maybe you can also take a little journey from, let's say, from dream to reality for such a backlog item. So, how uh, is is the process here from a requirement a customer says or the market mm. demands or whatever? Finally, to, to a feature delivered with a cloud release or on-premise release or feature pack. So mm. maybe we can do a little journey of the requirements. Journey, sure, we yeah. can, I can try to. Mm. <laughs> so, um, of course, we have a lot of customers outside and consultants giving feedback, giving their requirements. They want to go live next year with certain scopes. So they are, of course, pushing SAP to develop uh, their topics. And we have solution management. We have product owners, chief product owners, as a kind of contact between the development team and the customer outside side and they are collecting the feedback and the requirements which are out there in the market which would fit to hopefully many customers um, they're getting it into SAP they have then this content team meeting especially in TM discussing what is now we have this kind of capacity on the development side but we have those requirements so they are ranking their requirements um, giving them the top three maybe to the um, product owner in the team so each team has a product owner responsible to gather the this uh, requirements and then to write them down more specifically to make user stories ui mockups mm -hmm. examples and then we have those tacts where we are um Maybe I would have yeah. one question for yeah. that. So it sounds like for a specific requirement, but is it also that you have like a big picture for that release that you say, okay, now we focus on a certain topic and we do that cross team sure. or is that an independent thing uh, between the teams? Or So there should be mm. roadmaps, of course, for the next mm. couple of years, for mm. the next release saying, okay, next year we are delivering on-premise 29, uh, what is this, 2009 next year, or we're having the next cloud edition. And of course, this should all requirements together should give a sign, kind of story. Mm. Um, and uh, this is then defined by the management a little bit upstairs. Um, and mm -hmm. then it's um, um, when they are knowing what they do, 
want to have. They have the teams in Bangalore, in, in St. Ingbert, in here, and then they are giving down the requirements. And then the team itself with the PO is uh, responsible to, to figure out what's really meant, what does it in detail mean. The product owner is giving it to the teams in the tact uh, planning meetings. Um, then on the business requirement side, he's giving the requirements. Then the architect mm -hmm. is uh, taking over the requirements, writing the designs, the getting an implementation task out of that uh, development. Design review, not of Design yet. review, sure, yeah, definitely so we have. synced with the other architects yes. as well. Yeah. <laughs> All architect power in one meeting, looking at the same topic, whether we do something wrong or right, hopefully right. And then when it's decided, when it's signed off, when all uh, questions are clarified and the scope is clear, also from the implementation side, we have incremental backlog items, I would call them. We are planning in, in, the, in the tool Jira where every step should be documented and then in the planning meeting we distribute it among the developers doing the development in parallel hopefully also the, the testing uh, can be prepared by preparing the system writing test cases based on the requirements and as soon as the implementation is done our QE colleagues are stepping in doing the testing of course also up units are written by the development and then in the end if everything works like it works as designed um, the backlog items are are completed and then of course we're going for the next wave in case we have some thing leftovers we do them otherwise we go for the next requirements that's pretty fast and high level described mm -hmm. maybe regarding the backlog we have to distinguish a bit a bit uh, the backlog on different levels mm -hmm. yeah there is something called the product backlog this is what maybe our chief product owner sees in the product in the next up to three years or so all the features that would be nice yeah But this is more like a roadmap then, mm. and this is usually not not uh, fine grained or so. Mm. It's rather high level ideas and so on. This is then broken down to something that's called release backlog. This is what out of the millions of ideas that we have is cut out to be developed in the next release, which in former times or which on premise still is is around one year. In the cloud, it's more one quarter. So you then from the product backlog cut out something what you say okay this is feasible in the next year mm -hmm. and then the teams uh, they get a backlog that is called sprint backlog a sprint is, is the same as tucked yeah? mm -hmm. just another name to make it uh, more complex the sprint backlog this is what you can really develop in the next two weeks if it mm -hmm. is a two-week sprint or four weeks if it is a four-week sprint And this is then of course fine-grained this should be very precise something where you really could say okay I can completely understand what it means. I can really accomplish it in two weeks. Usually it should be something like um, usable software. We are not completely there, not always. Mm -hmm. But this, if, if the teams talk about backlog, they usually refer to the sprint backlog because this is the, the most specific mm -hmm. uh, thing you can talk about. The backlog on the other levels, this is something more where the chief product owners are discussing or our so-called uh, content team mm -hmm that organizes the releases and so on. They work more with the backlogs on the higher level. The backlog the teams are working with, this is the sprint backlog or are the sprint backlogs. Okay. I think it's also worth mentioning it's a design work that's not exclusive to, to architects uh, or so. So since we have a pretty experienced team here, so a lot of colleagues with... Uh, like 10 years of, of TM history been there from the beginning, not necessarily. And anyway, it's also an interesting point. So in SAP, we have, I think, different development uh, mm -hmm. career passes uh, also, maybe doing that little excursion. So we have the 
die, die everybody starts, I think, as a associate developer or developer, um, right? And then yeah. there are different options, right? Yeah. Thomas? Nowadays oh. you start as associate developer. Mm -hmm. if, if you have a bachelor degree or if you are a vocational student, if, if you don't come with some prior um, knowledge in, in the field or from a different company, yeah, you start as an associate developer. Um, after a while, then you can be promoted to be a developer. Mm -hmm. And then it already uh, spreads. If you are a developer, you can either be promoted to a senior developer or to an associate development architect. This depends a bit if, if you see yourself more as an expert in the field who is uh, digging deeper and deeper into programming mm. and who does very refined things and so on, who knows our frameworks very well mm. and, and really goes down to the bits and bytes. Or if you see yourself rather in some kind of architecture tasks, modelings, yeah, where you are maybe I wouldn't say that you just do PowerPoint, but uh, it's also about um, more or less uh, talking about concepts, maybe also educating the management, explaining concepts to, to higher level management. Yeah, If, if you tend more in, in such a direction, you can go the way to be a development architect at the mm -hmm. end. So after development um, senior developer, you could then be a, a development expert, or if you are an associate development architect, you could become a development architect. I personally do not see the difference too big. It's, mm -hmm. it's a bit also the question how you want to live this. And I, I mm -hmm. completely subscribe to what Bernd said, that uh, it's not just the architect who writes a design document. An associate developer, in our team at least, can also write a design document. He will not maybe write it completely, but he can write one chapter of a design document where the architect has the big picture. He outlined uh, what has to be done, but everyone on, on all the other levels can contribute. And it is actually something we want to, that, that uh, the developers also understand the architecture, that they identify themselves with the whole thing and not just wait until somebody tells them, you now do this and you now do that. Yeah, mm. This is definitely not the way we work. And some of our experts are, are also deep in architecture questions. So we have to see this maybe a bit historically. Before, there were just two levels. You were a developer, and if you wanted to be promoted, you were an architect. It didn't really mean that you work on architecture topics. It mm -hmm. just meant you had experience and so on. Mm -hmm. And then they said, okay, let's, let's differentiate it a bit. We need some more levels. But some people are just architect because at the time when they were promoted, there was no other role. Mm. They could have as well have been experts and vice versa. Mm. So this is something that doesn't count too much. We have people on different levels with different expertise and, and um, also the time that they are in the field and the knowledge they have. Yeah, This is reflected in these levels. But I would say everybody can do everything. Yeah. Mm. Oh, oh, that's the way we want to have it, that, that nobody says in my role, I don't look to the left, I don't look to the right, I exactly do this. Yeah, We are very open and, and, and we want to have it like this. And so people should not first think of what is their role. They mm. should think of what has to be done and what can I put in, how can I help. Yeah, and there are different, a lot of different um, activities that we have to cover. So let's uh, think uh, pretty important and that's also the model we do and as mentioned the design reviews are also there to communicate uh, the designs uh, be between the people so even if you're an associate developer so you you're on a safe side because there's a review and the chief architect gives a sign off uh, 
hopefully. Uh, but but there are real uh, also sometimes heated discussions. So everybody is also passionate about shipping the right uh, design. So even if it's not your home turf, so it's not that everybody is left alone with its own decisions, but we always have and will synchronize between the teams for the designs that all works together. Sometimes a bit uh, uncomfortable, of course, uh, uh, to rework uh, on the design, but it is the right way uh, to do. Yeah. Okay, so that's basically, with a little excursion, the journey of a backlog item. In the end, then what the result is, what we ship, so what you typically as our listeners here um, would uh, receive the final product. Yeah. Maybe it's also important to know since we have, I would say, like three different uh, products. Um, we didn't touch that one. So we have our traditional uh, TM, so to say, so the standalone TM9 or 8.0 to now 9.6. We, we have the Uh, as for embedded TM, which meanwhile also can be a standalone version, but still it's technically an S4 component. And we have our cloud, cloud product. Is that all in, in, in one team or how is that kind of synchronized or separated? Uh, and, and why? So, um, yeah. Thomas, maybe you yeah, want to? I think the good thing, yeah, we have hmm? this um, diversity and it, it's good, I think, for our customers that they can use TM in the cloud, that they can use TM standalone, that they can use TM integrated in S4. But uh, lucky for us, this is still one code line mm -hmm. because otherwise it would really be uh, more difficult uh, to manage. And therefore, as it is one code line, we do internally not distinguish a lot that, that a developer gets a stamp. Yeah, you are a cloud developer, or you are on-premise developer, or you develop a TM standalone. Uh, this is a spread over the teams. Yeah? Mm -hmm. it, it depends clearly on our priorities. We, we want to stay flexible here. But we all work uh, in the same system, the same development system, and in the same code line. For the cloud uh, releases, then every quarter, let's say, uh, a shipment is cut out, so to say, with the stuff that has been finalized and can then be directly used in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, if it is something really new that would not be available on-premise yet, it would then be available in the next on-premise release that mm -hmm. is shipped after a year or every year. Mm -hmm. We call this the, the cloud-first approach. We, we develop things in the cloud and, and tiny little pieces uh, can be used quarterly. And then when a big on-prem release is sent out, uh, the, these features are in there kind of automatically. We do not need to do something special. And um, this gives now for our customers, I think, a whole variety of, of usage options. And for us, luckily, uh, <laughs> it's still the same code line so that we can manage it from, from a development point of view still so still the same teams also doing yeah. all that stuff yeah it, it really it depends on the priorities it's it's mm -hmm. like i also said with the teams they, they we have some names for the teams but it doesn't mean that the order management team just does, does order management or the planning team only does planning we want to stay flexible here and and work along our priorities um, everybody knows priorities are changing mm -hmm. And we can even, let's say, change priorities from one sprint to the other. We do not at the beginning of the year say these are all the priorities. So whenever a sprint is done, we have a look again. The world has changed. Some new topics uh, popped up and maybe have now higher priority. And then we say, okay, this is now higher. Some other things are taken out of the backlog and, and some new things are coming in. 
And mm. with this, we can really work along the priorities of, of our customers, let's say, in the end. Of course, I also know you shouldn't do this too often because this also creates uh, a lot of fuss. And you, if you do one week this and the next week something completely different, this is also not efficient. But principally, we are able to adapt quickly. This is the, the good thing with the HR uh, development mode. And this also re completely relates to, to our different deployment options. And it's definitely key for the cloud development, yeah, which is much faster and has these three-month cycles yeah, where there is no such a long planning phase and so on. This is definitely even more dynamic. Okay. Yeah, so... Maybe uh, we can also now kind of uh, change to a slightly different topic after, let's say, talking about all the really hardcore or the development uh, process we do. I think um, we we are also a bit of a special, um, at least we see ourselves <laughs> a bit special, most like everywhere does, but maybe we can talk about the reasons why we see ourselves uh, bit as a special teams like Jenny already mentioned that uh, topic with uh, uh, students we have here vocational students uh, to be more but not only so maybe um, can you explain a bit on what we are doing with students figures and then uh, typical models so want to talk about that a bit so um, I myself was a student at SAP so when I came back from maternity leave Ben just asked me there are so many students um, I don't uh, I have the complete overview. Could you please step in? And they're like, oh, we have students in our department. I was really happy to hear that. And actually, yes, we had, and we are still having. So we have uh, vocational students in our department since 2000. Yeah, maybe we should also explain on to our listeners worldwide what vocational students okay. at SAP is. I that don't know in, if everybody in knows In Germany, that concept. we call mm -hmm. it um, Berufsakademie, duale Ausbildung. So actually, I did it as well. So this is actually a three-year cycle of studying. You are going to, let's call it university or Berufsakademie, three months ideally. And the other three months, you're going to your company, working on site, really in the team on certain projects and tasks. And then you're going back to university. So it's yeah. half practical phase, half it's a theoretical phase. And um, actually, in my history, in my my time i learned a lot in the company itself i mean it's good to know the theory but the the, the real doing in the company helped me a lot and that we are uh, so when i was on maternity leave a band started with the students and we had uh, around about 92 students already in the last four years sometimes we have faces with 20 students and they are coming to our department and really getting development tasks hacking something which really brings value to the customer. So we had topics like Scenario Builder and other areas where they really helped us a lot to work on technologies and uh, topics we ourselves didn't have the time to. And they stepped in and this is our possibility also catch up with newest technology to have them in our department working on things we are interested in and we want to to uh, make progress with, but we ourselves don't have the time and we also have the possibility to give them work which is really meaningful for us and the customer but maybe burnt you are much closer to it so yeah so we uh, i think it's also worth mentioning uh, the in the practical phases uh, um, it's really the every practical phase they do and like every three months roughly it's in different departments so we are just one mm -hmm. of the departments and a lot of departments here in world of and all over the world are competing uh, for the students they are 
pretty good. good one. There's also a lot of them. So we have like 200 students per year here in, at SAP in different locations, but let's say that's a high-level number. So it's a, a significant uh, effort for, for SAP uh, here. So we have all in all like five, 600 students uh, um, in parallel over the, the three years. Um, and when they come to us, uh, typically we have a team of two, uh, of, of two, two students um, working on, on the topic. And some of the topics you may know, like the quick search scenario builder, um, has been has been started from an idea of a developer to an implementation by uh, generations, typically, uh, of students, and finally made it then into a real product. So it's. Um, a chance for us also beside the let's say already defined backlog that came out of of epics um so to say as we described it earlier that we if we have cool ideas sync of course sync on the usage of that ideas with uh, with the content team and say okay it's worth looking into that then do it as a student project and then finally after normal designs etc of course uh, really deliver it to the customer so quite a success story for us i would say we started three four years uh, ago now we even hired the first of our former students in into our department which is of course also um, an aspect um, aspect and now we're close to 100 mm -hmm. uh, getting closer to 100 uh, previous students uh, so to say um, now yeah we shall have mm. a big party then yeah it's <laughs> the uh, <laughs> three-digit number of students yeah i think that's a bit special also i think we are the only department having so many students in parallel we are a bit also in a luxury situation that we have the physical space that's mm -hmm. also sometimes a problem but in a way we make sure we we have that uh, luxury also so we Right, Thomas? So we yeah, have quite a focus on that. I, I think mm. this is something you have to mention. I'm not mm. sure if this is clear to everybody. We have these vocational students and we have our kind of education department and mm. there is no mechanism that kind of assigns a student in his uh, practical phase to a specific department. Yeah? Mm. Departments, first of all, have to declare if they want to work with students. So they, they don't need to. They are not forced to. So some just don't like it and they don't do it. And the others who like it, yeah, they kind of can present themselves in, in some kind of meetings for the students and, and they talk a bit about the team and how they work, like <laughs> we are just doing now. But also, of course, they talk about the topics uh, that they have, what could be possible uh, topics in these practical phases. And then the students can apply for these uh, practical phases and um, this is definitely uh, something that makes us special that so many students apply for our or for a practical phase in our department it's we, we are special and uh, of course these students they are they do really good networking so some that did a practical phase in our unit they, they talked to their younger colleagues and said oh yeah tm i did a practical phase and this was really cool compared to my practical phase in department xyz and <laughs> i can strongly uh, recommend uh, also doing this and and since yeah we started with it three four years ago Uh, since then, our pipeline was always strong. It, it, we have a strong pipeline even. So sometimes we even had more uh, students applying than we even had physical space. But apart from the physical space, we also need, of course, um, developers and, and colleagues from our core team that uh, work with these students. And this is also, uh, I see a great openness from all the colleagues to say, yes, I have an interesting topic that I could envision could be something for a student and I will invest some extra time 
to work with the student to explain them things. Uh, it's not just the students that apply, it's also the team who is really willing um, to do this work with the students. Uh, yeah, Bernd, of course, is uh, maybe the lighthouse uh, colleague who mm. started all this. But in mm. the meantime, mm -hmm. I would say really the whole team is, is fond of it. And, and I would say nearly everybody so far already had a student or has or had, had an idea what could be a topic for a student. This is now uh, also kind of best practice in our team. And a nice side effect is, of course, with this getting to know these colleagues, uh, these students, we really know who they are, we see how they work, and if, if there are some interesting ones, every once in a while we have a position <laughs> to be filled, we can get back to them, get in touch with them and say, okay, we have a, a, a position here, would you like to apply? And then uh, a lot of them would also be willing to work for us full-time, not just in their practical phase. This is a nice side effect that we see. And yeah, as, as the employment market is, is being more narrow and more narrow all the time, this is of course a nice uh, side effect uh, for us. Mm -hmm. I think we even have uh, now a bit of a special situation at some of our former students now with us, but again as students in, in a way, so they are with us, but at the same time doing their master, uh, not thesis, but master study, uh, master um doing master studies right so that's uh, yeah. also something we test drive also currently. brand new so mm. far it was just possible to do a bachelor degree mm. but more and more students especially the very good ones they were thinking about okay i have now my bachelor but i'm very good and maybe it would be a good idea to also do a master but so far they couldn't do it with sap so then they had to leave sap and mm they liked SAP so it brought them into a kind of a conflict and then also the, the education department decided to offer uh, the, the possibility to do also do a, a master degree in this dual mode uh, for, for the very talented students and um, also just this year they also had an idea to do this not just uh, financed from, from the educational team but also from the departments themselves And we are just now experimenting with both. We have one student who is uh, sponsored by, by the education department and one that, that we pay. They are doing their master degree with us here. And so we can also compare the two approaches and then find out best practices for this and that, give feedback. And it's an experiment that we were willing to do. And, and I'm also excited about uh, the experiences we make with this. I, I think it's a strong idea. Um, and, and this is also a good way to really get excellent students uh, inside SAP to keep them while they do their master and not to, to lose them when they go back to university and then maybe decide for a different employer or so. And they can also kind of teach a bit the younger ones. Uh, and they are also completely uh, integrated in our team. Nice. I think also worth mentioning, um, besides that vocational students that we also offer, but not very actively, but it's more kind of if we see somebody, uh, practical phases for, for normal uh, students, right? And, and we also had that special program in the refugee, uh, um, and that like two, three years back now. So we, that we, when refugee internships uh, uh, were offered, we also took place. So it's not restricted. Um, to that right so yeah. uh, i also think it would be wrong to focus completely on, on vocational students and just say this is the only source and mm -hmm. some other talented guys study on other universities or it, it's also interesting to see what they bring in so so we try to keep a balance yeah 
the easiest way is, is to get the vocational students from SAP, but we are very open for other uh, students from other Uh, universities mm -hmm. here nearby usually it's, it's they are coming from from Karlsruhe or from Mannheim and they have to do also um, an internship some for three months others for six months and we have very good experience also with this but even if you go uh, further down we also uh, take um, pupils from mm. from schools they have to do something that that's called bogey practical phase while they are still at school to get an idea of what maybe software engineering would be they are usually just here for a week or two but even let's say we had a lot of them already and then some really said afterwards yeah it was completely different than what i thought i thought it's boring and you're sitting in front of the keyboard uh, all day long and they, they communicate so much and it was really cool yeah. and, and they then maybe decide to go for a vocational study or something like this yeah. I, i think we really have it on on all levels yeah. mm -hmm. the earliest phase is of course the, the, the pupils from school they are 15 years or so are still very young but and not yet decided what they do but then through all the phases of their studies up to the master now where you can do an internship the only thing you can't do an internship in sap if you have a, a finished uh, professional education or so then sap doesn't hire you as, as a intern yeah, for legal reasons for other reasons yeah, yeah. Yeah. so as long as you are learning yeah you can come for a practical phase yeah Talking pupils, maybe that's uh, also a good keyword. Yeah, we also, again, uh, I think based on the students, we introduced like three years back or so, um, a special Christmas event, right? So we have a Christmas, what we call the Christmas youth event. So based on the VR stuff, uh, so virtual reality stuff that we experiment, experiment with, come to that later or maybe we can start with that so based or because we have the students and we had had them colleagues which are pretty enthusiastic in their private life about ar and vr stuff uh, we we also have quite a history now uh, where we work with uh, on on vr and ar applications so far showcases but slowly developing um, and and build for example a AR visualization of the pellets, the real pellets built in, in the system. Um, and that is also only possible because we have the students, right? And I mean, it's a combination. We have the students and we, we as a team here, uh, or a US manager, are willing to also pay for the hardware, right? So we on and off also go for uh, things which are not in the backlog, right? So maybe you can uh, add your view on, on why do we do that? And uh, How does it help? The, yeah. Yeah, for me personally, it's important to have uh, a certain creativity in the team and, and to enable innovations. And uh, with the example you just mentioned with this VR and AR stuff, this, this was actually triggered by one of our colleagues who's uh, a lot into this topic. And at, at first he brought his own equipment and, and experimented a bit. And then we thought some real uh, kind of features that would make sense in a transportation management environment and, and uh, Then we decide, okay, if it is really something like business, yeah, we also can afford to buy the equipment. But as this colleague was also just doing this besides his other tasks, 
it would not have scaled really that we say this will not grow fast enough or it will also be something that you only do after six o'clock in the evening. Mm. And then the students, this is what you mentioned, they helped us to scale this. Yeah, we could give them some little tasks and, and they are many and, and they do not have to work on our specific backlog and so on. So this just uh, created a lever yeah, to, to do more in this um, topic than we would have been able to do just on our own. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm let's say very happy to if i can help with maybe buying equipment if it makes sense or so i, I think we are an it company we mm. we work in a technology area we need also to get in touch with new technologies this is part of our business yeah if we do not our own on our own operate a smartphone yeah how can we then write software on the smartphone write an app or so you need to to know this technology mm. and uh, i'm happy that we have so many colleagues in the team that really also like technology that also work with new technology in, in their private time and mm. so on that that buy drones or mm. podcast equipment whatever it mm. is so so if it's not extremely expensive and and we definitely see also something in relation to our core topic transportation mm. management yeah um we can afford yeah, to do it and it also i think it, it's good for the mood in the team mm -hmm. Uh, we have hard work yeah, and we have to work along the priorities coming from our customers but, but sometimes motivation also comes from projects that the developers uh, envisioned or that are based on their ideas mm -hmm. and we should take this seriously and, and not just say you do what you are told yeah, this is not the attitude we want to we say bring in your ideas and we see if, if we see a match between what we have to do and, and what's nice to have we we open a road uh, to make this possible mm, i think and based on on that right uh, so we had that equipment we had the students uh, a couple of years back uh, the idea came up to yeah kind of make use of that uh, to um kind of uh encourage uh, pupils or young young people uh, to go into technology and so we we invented like our christmas use event so with the hardware we had then with the help of the d-shop uh, here in valdorf and um and others private equipment uh, also partially used we also now have a uh, third year now uh, this christmas event where we had like 50 60 young students or not students people uh, from i think the youngest was two years old uh, <laughs> up to let's say 18 or so where it becomes more relevant for choosing studies where we will like try out vr little workshops uh, all organized by us but mainly actually by the students which are at that time here which was also i think is a bit of a special thing it's for the kids of scm so to say so it's not a public um event uh, but still i think uh, we, we had made some kids uh, pretty happy and enthusiastic about technology and let's see maybe they are sitting here with us a couple of years doing it um, by themselves right so I, i think if i remember it mm. correctly the initial idea was to do it kind of for our own kids because mm. a lot of our developers here in the team now have kids from mm -hmm. age 2 to 15 and and they were also eager to come to sap to see what their mom and dad is doing all day long but Usually if you show them some ABAP code, yeah, that's mm -hmm. not too attractive. And with these graphical things like the, the VR thing where we could visualize the 3D load planning of a truck, you could even think about doing a little play mm. out of this. This was easy to, uh, mm. to get, easy to enter into this field. And then um, it, it grew. Mm. And, and now I think it, it's popular 
outside even our team. Other colleagues heard about it and said, ah, can I bring my kids as well? And so on and so on. So uh, it has become kind of famous in the meantime. That's also pretty cool here in Waldorf. We do that in the customer presentation room. So there is the full equipment. So it's uh, walls of monitors and then also the IT team on site there. Pretty, they bring their own kits as well. And then we have, uh, they, they build up new monitors or new cables required to make that a cool event. So that's a cool thing that we not, it's not only in our world here, but we can also get the help of, of, of the other teams. So that's also a fun. Fun event once once a year. It's then followed by our traditional red uh, hot wine uh, drinking event where we invite the, uh, our former students um, and a uh, year review uh, event that we have. So around Christmas, it's typically a pretty cozy time here on the team, I would say, right? So mm. I think it's like, like usual. Mm. You need someone who has the initial idea, who starts it off. But then it, it, it creates its own momentum and it carries itself yeah, and can grow. But if there is nobody coming in with the initial idea, yeah, nothing will happen. Yeah. And, and we, I think we really, this is, we are talking about what's mm -hmm. making our team special mm -hmm. that we have had and have a lot of creative ideas and we open up the room to, to live these ideas and, and therefore we always uh, get new ideas and, and it's going on now, it's, it's growing. Hmm. Yeah, like like this podcast. I mean, it's also based on a idea. Then uh, we got a chance even to go to like a I don't if, I don't know if it's famous, but there's a big uh, a congress in Germany from the Chaos Computer Club, uh, which is a hackers community, so to say, whitehead hackers. Don't worry. Um, and so we uh, even were able to go there with uh, some colleagues, kind of, which is not an, like an SAP typical event, but it brought quite some inspirations. For example, uh, podcast workshops uh, held there, which now brought to the new us to the new hardware version here. So um, <clears throat> I think that's also a special thing here that we, as you said, if if somebody comes up with an idea and it has some potential, and it's even it's not a hardcore uh, work um, backlog item, so to say, you have a chance to do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I also strongly support this idea of the podcast. Yeah. It, it's for me it's a channel where we can um, scale yeah it, mm -hmm. it's we have a lot of information here and, and it's we have to make sure that our information reaches our mm -hmm. consultants our partners maybe even our customers yeah and and there are some different ways yeah? we have of course the documentation you if you got to know one of our developers you can give him a call and he might explain something to you we have notes that we can write but but usually this doesn't scale if, if all the developers would get calls from all the consultants that they would not be able to work anymore so we need to do something let's say where somebody shares this information and then it can be downloaded a hundred times a thousand times and it doesn't create additional effort yeah? and and one of these channels for me is definitely the podcast where, where some topics are really explained in a nice way from one of our experts but he only has to explain it once and then i don't know we have some podcasts that are downloaded a thousand times nearly or yeah, even uh, more top one is the package building episode with six thousand something mm -hmm. downloads yeah. this is great so it's mm -hmm. from markus zahn he could mm -hmm. not have explained this six thousand times to somebody specifically 
easily. The same holds true, for example, for this uh, TM book we have, where one of our mm -hmm. colleagues is, is one of the authors, uh, Jens Gottlieb, the transportation management book uh, from the Rheinwerk Verlag, where mm -hmm. the transportation management is explained in a very nice way. Yeah, mm -hmm. We couldn't explain it to every reader of, of the book. So it, it's a bit of a work for us initially, but then it pays off because we get less phone calls mm. and so on and and we can play a bit around with technology and learn something also about podcasts it's not just only the written book in the new world yeah you have to have a youtube video mm -hmm. podcast people can hear it in the car we have to to um, broadcast on all the channels mm -hmm. so to say Okay, I think now we uh, did uh, quite some advertisement for ourselves. Um, so one of the purposes of that episode is also, of course, to raise the interest in our department and, and, and working in it uh, since uh, TM is uh, doing pretty well. So I think in the foreseeable future, um, there might be open positions. So there has been some. We just uh, staffed them, but... Uh, since this podcast will, will be out uh, a bit longer. So um, let's say if uh, one of our listeners would be interested in maybe joining the team, either here in Waldorf, but also in St. Ingbert or um, in India, Bangalore, uh, to be more precise, um, how, so where, where to look for those jobs? Uh, would say email or what is the best way to uh, uh, check if something is available? Yeah, I think the first thing should always be to check the official uh, channels like our job postings in the portal if there is something specific uh, and then you can also directly apply easily mm. upload your CV and so on fill in the forms um, if if there is uh, no jobs.sap.com right yeah oh, okay mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and we have some positions that are just internal and, and others that are internal and external, but it's always a good uh, to look at this. One can also subscribe there and say if a job position appears on that and that level and in this and this uh, department mm -hmm. or organization, please uh, inform me about it so you can keep track. If there is nothing specific, let's say if we don't have a specific position open at that point in time, it's always a good idea to contact one of us, like, like me, Bernd, or some developer you know in, in the department and then we can have a chat we can always have a talk about it and maybe keep it in mind mm. because in the soon future there might be a position and then we remember oh there were two or three guys that were interested let's check if they are still available or there are also different ways to, to get in touch with us it doesn't have always to be a full time permanent position mm. we have uh, options like fellowships where somebody just wants to work with us or maybe can start mm. to work with us for a fellowship for a limited time half a year usually that's for internals right for internals so, yeah. mm -hmm. and then maybe decide to stay if there is an open position or say okay now I see what I wanted to see and I go back to my old job or so uh, It's okay. just get in touch with us and, and mm. uh, we will find a way. Uh. Okay. I think we, we also post uh, those job offers uh, on our Twitter account, uh, so TM Podcast, I think is the name of the uh, uh, account. So you may also follow that one where we also, beside other stuff, also uh, post uh, job openings. But I think the safest thing is go to jobs.cp.com and store your, uh, save your search and then maybe get that notification once it's available but still if there is no open position you can mm. just get in touch with us and we can let's say put you on the list or keep you in mind and um, usually there is a bit of movement mm. always yeah that yeah. somebody maybe sometimes colleagues also leave the department for, for different reasons mm. um, 
they get in pension or whatever mm -hmm. and then there is a new opening or we grow at this point in time we are very successful and, and we're able to grow and i think pretty confident that the success uh, will go on and that we might be able to grow next year as well so just contact us um, and, and we will see Okay, there's one last question. So once uh, somebody uh, went that path and applied and has been accepted, by the way, the interview, uh, be prepared. Huh? So it's it's not that easy if you come as a developer. So we only want to have the good ones as everybody, but we also have our ways of uh, uh, proving that, uh, we think. Uh, so uh, once you're here, so what is the, how would you somebody start uh, his career here? So what is the, yeah, how does it start? Yeah. I mean, initially also in the interview, we get somehow a feeling in which area he's interested. And of course, we need to check in which areas we have offers. So in case he's coming, for example, to our team, the order management mm -hmm. team, um, he's, um, I mean, from day one, it's mainly working on the job and learning on the job. Of course, we are sending them to trainings. We have TM trainings. We have ABAP trainings and stuff like that, which we are getting in the classroom. We have podcasts and stuff like that, where you get all the theory and background you need to understand what's coming soon. But working on the job, getting tasks, um, having a, a buddy taking care of, of you in case of questions. Um, this is how I think most of the colleagues are getting into the topics. Of course, as we said in the beginning, we are sitting in an open space. Everybody is is happy and keen to help the new colleagues to uh, to get new knowledge, to get into the real problems and to understand how to fix them. So mm. for me personally, as I um, see it, it's uh, working on the job, including with trainings, podcasts, and theoretical mm. stuff like that. And Yeah. Right, so you get a buddy typically, right? Yeah. And then you have a mixture of technical trainings, TM trainings. trainings. Uh, we even try if we have like a larger uh, group of people joining to organize special editions of the training where you have the training, but then also you have the developers who develop that stuff, explaining a bit more uh, in detail. Mm -hmm. And of course, then the one-to-ones with... Yeah. Uh, colleagues and you are definitely not alone if you start here so it's i've been with mm -hmm. tm since 10 plus years and it's also because of the people they are all have very helpful and uh, take you on your hand and help you getting your first steps but then you le need to learn to run yourself but still you have the team <laughs> i also think mm -hmm. it, it's the mixture mm -hmm. it doesn't help just to go to classroom trainings and so on you have you need some classroom trainings to get an overview but then you also need some time to digest what you hear heard uh, the, it's training on the job it, it's specific things it's the body concept which is strong so so experienced colleagues who helps you do your first steps but i think what what strongly speaks for our department and and what also uh, is special that we we even manage to incorporate all these uh, vocational students that are just mm -hmm. with us maybe for six or eight weeks and then Usually the feedback we get from them is that they really felt to be part of the team, that they were integrated completely, that they felt like uh, being in TM for much longer time and so on. So, so we really managed to get everybody on board. Yeah? And this is not just the, the theoretical things, the up-up and, and the programming stuff. It's also the social mm -hmm. integration. And that's, I think, what, what makes our team very strong, that, that we are really open to, to bring in new people, that, that uh, they, after a very short time, feel part of the team uh, and, and uh, do not feel alone and so on. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's not 
given, yeah, that somebody who just does a six weeks practical phase uh, feels part of the team. In other departments, we know they just uh, are in a separate room and do some testing and they are kind of guests, maybe. Mm -hmm. Our students especially say that they never felt as guests or so, and, and we also do not treat them as guests. Yeah? Mm -hmm. We treat them as, as part of the team. Even these pupils from school that are here for a week or two, they also don't get the notion that they are guests in our department. They are part of the team and at the very minute they enter. Okay. So, I think that's it, right? That we have to, yeah. Uh, I think we can close with that. So, um, I hope we gave a bit of an overview on how we work, uh, let's say technically, but, but also as a team. And if you are ins interested yourself uh, with the right background or you know somebody, feel free to kind of get in touch with us um, sooner or also later. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Thomas, Jenny. Not Jenny, by the way, yeah, be <laughs> careful. It's Jenny. Uh, so, um, and uh, thanks for listening. And mm -hmm. goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.